turning this evening to Exodus chapter 33. We begin to read at verse 18. Exodus 33, verse 18. And he, a Moses, has said, is speaking to the Lord, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft or cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Well, friends, we're looking uh, this evening at uh, these verses and uh, going a few verses into chapter uh, 34. And my subject for tonight is, Show me uh, thy glory, that prayer of Moses. Show me thy glory. Well, this is going to be our final study, I think, in uh, this book of Exodus. So we have something different ahead of us in the coming days. But uh, just to give you a little bit of the uh, background uh, to our last study and, and to this prayer, you remember how uh, it all started really with that golden calf that they built, that idol that the people worshipped while Moses was there up in the mount receiving the law from God. But the people got tired, got impatient, awaiting, and they built that uh, calf uh, initiated, you could say, by, by Aaron, uh, who, the one who uh, 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 collected the gold and the jewels and the earrings from the people and through it made that uh, dreadful idol and all the people uh, worshipped it and said uh, that that was the God that brought uh, them out of Egypt instead of the true God. Well, we know what happened after that. As a result, judgment uh, came upon them. And the Lord also withdrew his presence uh, from them. And he was at a distance. You remember how the tabernacle was moved, that tent was moved outside uh, the camp and at a distance from the people to teach them that uh, God wasn't really happy with what they had done. And yet he wasn't completely removed from them, uh, but he was still, uh, they could uh, go out. Moses went out to it. They could possibly see it from, from their camp as well, where they were. Uh, so it was not entirely removed, but God was angry with them because of their sin. And he, you remember how he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to personally by my hand take you into the promised land. Instead, a, a created angel is going to be the one who is going to lead you. I will, I will still take care of you. I will still watch over you, but I'll do it from afar. I will do it through the instrumentality of an angel instead of me personally. Well, Moses, if I may put it like this, wouldn't have it. Moses wasn't satisfied with that because he wanted the Lord uh, to lead them. And so he said there in chapter 3, verse uh, 15, uh, if thy presence Go not with me, carry us not up hence. And he, we looked at the arguments uh, that he presented to the Lord uh, to persuade the Lord, as it were. And the Lord responded to Moses' intercession. And he relented and he said, I will go uh, with you. And my, 
my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Well, Moses could well have stopped uh, there at that point. He'd obtained his objective. The Lord is going to continue with them and bring them to the promised land. He could have come down and said, okay, amen, that's the end of my prayer. But he doesn't. Instead, he pursues, he goes on, and uh, he prays in verse 18, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. A personal prayer, an earnest prayer. He wants something more uh, from God. He's had an answer from God already, and that's encouraged him. That's encouraged his faith to ask for more. Well, that's a lesson for us, isn't it? When the Lord hears our prayers, don't stop. <laughs> don't say, okay, oh, rejoice, give him thanks, but then go on. You can ask for something more, and you can ask maybe for something greater, as Moses even is doing here. Oh, our prayer requests, sometimes we limit them. We think, oh, it's too much to ask for this. But maybe we should ask, as one of our brothers often does. He has great expectations. Lord, fill the church. Let it be full uh, tonight, is his, often his prayer. Uh, but uh, we need also, isn't it, to have great faith. And uh, if the Lord is encouraging us with answers as a church, as he has been, we can continue, isn't it, to ask for more things and more blessings, not to stop uh, here. I think that's a, a lesson here. But this is a prayer of Moses. I beseech thee, show me thy glory an earnest desire uh, from Moses to see uh, God's glory. Well, what exactly he had in mind, we don't really know, I think. Perhaps he wanted to see something of God's brightness, of God's uh, splendor. Uh, perhaps that was what in his mind. It is something physical, visible rather, that he wants uh, to see. But what exactly it was, we, we're not entirely sure, I think. But he does desire to see something more of God. And he makes this very daring prayer, Lord, show me more of your uh, glory. Well, some commentators, they find a fault with Moses here, and they say, well, he, he was asking amiss. He went too far in what he was asking. Well, I don't particularly think so, personally think so, because uh, the Lord doesn't reprove him uh, for what uh, he, he requests. And he, in fact, the Lord uh, actually answers his prayer to a certain degree, just not in the way that Moses expected him to answer. If you do want to find a fault with Moses, probably here, uh, uh, here you could say that he was asking for something by sight, uh, some, he was something for something to see, instead of uh, just wanting a little bit more to know of God by faith. And that's, uh, that's a fault maybe you could point out to him. Well, friends, when we come to pray, when we are in our personal times, what uh, devotions with the Lord, what do we pray for? What do we ask God for? Well, we have so many things uh, to ask the Lord, isn't it? We have our needs, and we must mention our needs before God, our daily needs. We need protection, we need provisions, we need help in our work, we need help in our studies. All these things are very legitimate things to pray for. We pray for other people, we pray for the sick, we pray for those who are distressed. We pray for those who are in great need. Again, all these things that we pray for, we pray for the salvation of other people, but also in our prayers, a part of our prayers. should be something along these lines. Lord, show me something of your glory. Show me something more about uh, yourself. 
Show me something more about, uh, about you, Lord. The glory of, his, of your attributes, of your character. Lord, I know so little. I've seen so little of your glory. Show me more, Lord. Surely there's more. Of course there is more. The glory uh, of uh, his word. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious person. Oh, there's so much there, isn't there? That even uh, we have in the word that we haven't grasped as yet. You remember though that uh, prayer of the Apostle Paul uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 and in verse uh, 15, I read it to you. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And what's he praying for? He, he tells us that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Well, that's like praying, Lord, show me your glory, isn't it? Show us more. Let, and be, let me be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power, to us were to believe according to the working of his mighty power and so on. And then in chapter 3, he prays uh, for them that they might know the love of Christ, the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of Christ and so on. These are the things that uh, Paul uh, prayed for other believers. And uh, same for us. There's so much more uh, for us uh, to know uh, and uh, to be so much more Enlightenment. So every time we open our Bibles in our personal devotions, Lord, I'm here, I'm ready. Teach me, Lord. I'm, uh, show me more of yourself. Show me more of the glories of that inheritance that is to come. Show me more of the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior. Help me to see your character. That I may know you better, like Paul said, that I may know uh, him. Well, God heard uh, Moses' prayer, as I've said, he didn't, the answer didn't come quite as he expected it to come. And it may be also for us that our God will uh, hear what we say and what we ask from him, but his answer may come not as we requested it, and it may come in a different way to what we had in mind. Paul prayed, you remember, for the removal of that thorn in the flesh, that three times he prayed earnestly that the Lord would remove it. Well, God heard him. God heard his prayer each time. But uh, his, his answer was different. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, when you're in your weakness, that's when my strength will be made perfect. And that was God's answer to Paul. He didn't remove the thorn in the flesh. Lord, give me more faith, we pray. And sometimes the Lord answers us, not by directly giving us an increase in our faith, uh, but through a lot permitting troubles or difficulties or trying circumstances to come into our life so that we learn to trust him in those very times. And through those means, through those difficulties, we grow in faith. Lord, give me more patience, we say. 
I feel I'm an impatient person. Lord, make me more patient. And we've, we're brought alongside to work maybe people who, who provoke us and who trouble us in some way. And we have to learn in those kind of situations uh, to, uh, to grow in patience. It's the Lord's way of answering prayer. It's not as we uh, expected maybe, but this is uh, often how the Lord works. Well, verse 19 uh, the Lord says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show uh, mercy. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Moses, you're, you're just a creature. Moses, you're just a human being. It's impossible for you to see me in all my glory. What you're asking for, I cannot, for, I cannot grant you the request because you don't have the capacity to receive, to see me in all my glory. If you saw me in all my glory as I really am, well, it would be overwhelming for you. The sight would kill you, Moses. That's what, it, that's what he's saying uh, here. That's why uh, you would die. But the Lord does say uh, he will make all his goodness pass before thee. He's going to show, give him those insights. Moses already knows uh, more. He knows more than Abraham and the, the patriarchs knew. But uh, he's been given a great insight. Remember, uh, the, the self-sufficiency of God, the name of God, the high, great I am was revealed to him right at the very beginning of his call. But now he's also going to be shown uh, even more uh, of uh, who the Lord is and his character. Two things are mentioned here, the goodness of the Lord and also alongside that, uh, the sovereignty of God in uh, salvation. So Moses is through, through the Lord proclaiming, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. So it's not going to be sight. He's going to see something. God is going to show him something, but his back parts but it's going to be mainly through the proclamation, the, the words that God is going to speak to him and declare, this is what I am like. This is who I am. A merciful God and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in goodness and truth. The goodness of the Lord, those, those characters of the Lord that are so winsome and appealing, uh, he's going to have a greater insight into that. And alongside that, he is going to realize more of the sovereignty of God. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Well, the thing here to emphasize, friends, it was through that proclamation, through the word of God, that, they, that Moses got a further insight into who, who God is and what he is like. Now, there are a number of believers in our day uh, move within the charismatic circles especially and uh, they, they judge of uh, their experiences of God by their sensations uh, by the tingling feelings that they have when they're praying or the warmth that they feel in their hands or uh, the hands are being lifted up and sometimes people's hands uh, shake like that and they think it's the Holy Spirit uh, who is uh, moving them uh, but it their, their experience and they, they, they feel that, oh, they're drawing near to God through these 
direct sensations. But we learn from these scriptures here that it's through the word. It's through the word that we are, are reading. And as we understand the word more, uh, our minds are enlightened. We're praying, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. And as we see these things, then our hearts are warmed. As the, Remember how the Lord, when he was speaking to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he was explaining the word to them. He went through uh, from uh, the law and the prophets and everything that Moses has, had said. He went through all that and, and showed, showed to those two disciples, well, these are, this is meant to happen. And, as, uh, and their hearts burned within them as he was explaining to them what? The scriptures. Explaining to them the word of God. And they were so uh, full of joy. And that's how joy comes. We are not averse to joy. We, we want joy, but we want joy that comes uh, through our understanding of the word. But also, we have to remember, uh, here we can learn, we need a balanced view of God. We need a right view of him. Not a lopsided view that is only thinking about his goodness. We also need to be aware uh, of uh, his sovereignty and the other aspects of God. We, we often say, doesn't it? Some people today will often say, oh, just... Think of God as God is love. That's the only characteristic that they mention. They don't mention his holiness and his justice. Spurgeon uh, gave it the illustration of, not illustration, it was a real story for him. But there was a man, uh, he was on his dying bed, and uh, he asked Spurgeon to come and see him. So Spurgeon went along, and uh, uh, he, when he entered, the, the man said, I'm going to heaven. And Spurgeon said, uh, what makes you think so? Uh, you never thought of it before. And, uh, well, the man said, God is good. And Spurgeon said, yes, he's good, but he's also just. And the man said, no, uh, God is merciful and good. And he didn't want to hear about the justice of God and the other part of God. But uh, he had this one idea of God, a half of God. That's what he had in his mind. But we need to have a, a, a complete a view of God, a balanced view of God, seeing him as he is in Scripture, not a God of our own making. But then in verses 21 to 23, uh, we see the Lord uh, placing Moses, uh, uh, telling Moses about the rock uh, that he was to stand upon, and then telling him to, uh, or verse 22, shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand, probably a cloud or darkness, uh, not a literal hand, of course, while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. So the, there is Moses in this cleft of the rock, and uh, through this crevice in the rock, he can uh, see the Lord passes by, and when that cloud or darkness is removed, something he can see, we don't know exactly what of the of the Lord's uh, glory, uh, but uh, then the Lord uh, will, speak, will speak to him, as we will see in, in, in a minute. But uh, he will see only uh, the back parts uh, of the Lord, just like when it's suggesting just a part of God, as it were. When we look at somebody from behind, we can't see everything. We can't see them clearly. We can pick up bits and pieces about them. If we see them face to face, then you, you have a much clearer view, and that's the idea here. Now, uh, some of the older commentators uh, say this about this passage, that uh, the rock here 
that uh, Moses was in, was hiding in, as it were, is the same rock uh, that Moses struck when the water came uh, gushing out uh, for the people of Israel. And uh, that uh, reference to the rock is also picked up by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He refers to it, the rock as Christ. That rock was uh, Christ. We sang of it even tonight. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. So if we think of it in that way, it does give us some interesting applications or thoughts. Of course, there's safety in Christ, safety in him uh, alone. But also, friends, uh, it's only when we are in Christ, in that rock, as it were, that we can gain a true sight of God. It's only when we are in Christ that we can have a clearer view of the goodness and the mercy and the graciousness and the kindness uh, and the holiness and sovereignty of God. The knowledge of God comes to us when we are in him. Well, let's, let's move on to chapter 34. And uh, there in those first uh, few verses, verse four verses, we see uh, the Lord telling Moses to come up again into the, the mount and to bring with him a two, hew two tables of stone like unto the first. You remember when he came down the mount the first time he'd broken uh, those two tablets of stone and uh, that was a, sig a sign of the covenant being broken. Well, this is a gracious word from God. The covenant is being renewed. So the Lord tells him, hew two tables of stone like to the first and I will write upon those tables that were in the first, upon these tables, the words, the Ten Commandments that were in the first tables. And he's to go up, be ready in the morning, to go up early, uh, to meet, present himself there to the Lord, and no man uh, was to go uh, with him. And verse 4, Moses uh, did as the Lord told him. He hewed two tables of stone and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord uh, commanded him. Well, friends, that's a, a little picture to us as well of how the, the scriptures uh, have come uh, to us. And the first time that Moses received the, 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 ten, the two tablets of stone, well, God did everything. God gave him the stones. God gave him, did the writing. But this time, Moses has to hew, has to chisel out those two tablets of stone and to take them up with him. God will do the writing. God will put the words, inscribe the words on that stone, but he has to uh, play a part, as it were. And it, sh it teaches us how even in the, the putting together of the scriptures that we, we have uh, before us, uh, yes, it's divinely inspired. The words come from God. The words are God's words from cover to cover, but they are given through human instruments. God used men to write these things. God used uh, men down through the ages, men like Moses, men like the prophets, men like the apostles. They were inspired of God to write these things. 2 Timothy 3, 16, you know it well. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And 2 Peter 1, verse 21, uh, the prophecy, this prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The word moved as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
Not that they were just robots. They were still thinking men. They still had their own uh, way of writing, their own styles of writing, and God made use of that. But every word that they were prompted to write came from the Holy Spirit. Every word that they put down in, in the original manuscripts was something that came uh, from uh, God. It's God using human authors to uh, give us uh, the scriptures. So we believe uh, in this, in verbal plenary inspiration, uh, we call it. It's a theological term, but basically we're saying every word of God and all parts of the word of God are given by inspiration uh, of, uh, of the Lord. And, and so there's this element, uh, God uses men, uh, but everything, every word, every jot, every tittle is inspired uh, by him. But I close just with this, this final part in uh, the actual, the Lord coming down and proclaiming uh, his name. Verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And look at this, <laughs> verse 6, word after word is heaped up uh, of the Lord and his goodness. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. To emphasize to Moses, to let him, in a sense, know and appreciate just how good God is. One, one attribute could have been enough. God is merciful. But one after another is piled on top. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is uh, slow to anger. All these things, uh, different aspects that Moses can think on and meditate on. And I'm just going to mention a little bit about each one, just very briefly, uh, before we close. So, mercy, God is uh, merciful, or a God of a great uh, compassion, one who uh, feels, one who uh, feels pity uh, for people, one who has uh, tender uh, feelings, like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that uh, fear Him. Oh, He, remember that. Uh, the mercy seat that was placed upon the Ark of the Covenant, right in the very uh, Holy of Holies. It wasn't a judgment seat that's there. We see it was a, a mercy seat that God uh, pities those who come to him by that atoning uh, sacrifice. He sees fallen mankind in its miserable state, and he feels for, for that. He pities men and women in their lost estate. He doesn't say, good for you. Good for you, you deserve it. He feels for people uh, who even who are opposed uh, to him. Gracious, well, we know all about that. Uh, good and kind uh, God is uh, to men. Uh, giving them uh, freely uh, good things, things they do not deserve. This is all our gifts come from God. We think especially of our spiritual gifts. Every spiritual gift and benefit that we have is free. Is undeserved. Our election, that's gracious, that's free. We didn't do nothing for it. Our calling is gracious. Our regeneration is gracious. Our being preserved and kept to glory is gracious. Our entrance into heaven to be in eternity forever is gracious. It's all a free gift uh, from this great giver, this, uh, this God whom we serve. Uh, he is long-suffering slow uh, to anger, bearing and forbearing, 
giving the unbeliever chance after chance, time after time, uh, to repent and to believe uh, in him, withholding judgment uh, instead of uh, inflicting it immediately, giving people uh, time. Why doesn't God bring this world to an end? Well, because there are his elect still in it, ready, uh, waiting to be saved. But God is delaying a justice. He waits uh, to be uh, gracious, abundant in, in goodness, uh, we read, uh, and truth, uh, good to all men, above what we can imagine is his goodness. Truth here refers to his faithfulness. He's faithful to keep his word, faithful to keep all his promises. And then verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, uh, uh, for thousands, uh, his mercy is infinite, never exhausted. After he's had mercy on thousands upon thousands, he's still got room to be merciful to another thousands upon thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, the three uh, sin words, all kinds of offenses, all terrible kinds of offenses, some deeply aggravating offenses. He, is, he has forgiven and is willing to forgive when people repent and turn to him. Yet also, we read, he is a just and holy God, uh, that one that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And uh, Moses, when he heard these things, he made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And uh, he said, If now I found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. And then the Lord said, Behold, I make a covenant. Behold, before all thy people I will do marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing I will do with thee. My friends, such was Moses' experience of God and the deeper knowledge that was communicated to him. Well, that would have refreshed him. That would have re-energized him uh, spiritually uh, to go back and to lead the people. Again, the stiff-necked people, this hard-hearted people, uh, he'd be re-energized uh, to lead them uh, to the promised land. And I close with this one final application. For us as well, uh, let us, like Moses, daily uh, have personal fellowship uh, with the Lord. Just like the Lord said to Moses, come up to the mount early in the morning, present yourself to me. So also uh, our uh, strength lies in daily devotion with God, daily communion with him, daily drawing near to him. If we can do it in the morning, that's the, usually on the best times. If you're busy in some other way in the morning, then find appropriate time in which uh, to, to meet the Lord. There's no hard and fast rule uh, here, but usually the morning's a good time. But this is where your strength lies. This is how you grow as a believer. This is how you grow in the knowledge of God. This is how you gr grow from being a, a babe into being a, a child, into being a man of God who can stand on your own two feet. This is where you grow from, uh, from just feeding on milk 
to, uh, to feeding on the meat of the word, as you spend time with God, and you search the scriptures, and you're familiar with the scriptures, and you talk to the Lord, and you pray to him daily, and you pray for others, as we have said. This is, friends, where you'll be energized for each and every day. It's a really a very simple uh, requirement from us. But if we do this day after day after day, well, this is how we become strong in the Lord. We leave it off, we neglect it, but we become weaker. Very quickly we become weaker. And uh, the way to, if we've done that, then we, we come back to the Lord and renew our times uh, with him. Well, may these things uh, be of help to us uh, tonight. Show me thy glory. Amen.